Welcome to the Leadership After Hours podcast. Real talk with real leaders committed to creating better companies and a better world. Presented by Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits with your host, Sean Patton. All right. We're so glad you found us here at the Leadership After Hours podcast. If you're finding value in this content, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. This helps us reach more people and spread the modern leadership movement. Also, you don't want to miss out on a single episode. So again, make sure you hit that subscribe button and share the Leadership After Hours podcast with your friends, your coworkers, and your family so we can push the movement of the modern leader forward. All right, well, I'm super excited today to have Molly Van Marth, executive health and fitness coach and an old friend of mine here uh, on the podcast to talk about her experience and the things she sees in, in her world when it comes to executives and leadership. Thanks for coming today, Molly. Definitely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> excited, excited to do this. We've uh, we've known each other and 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 had friends and mutual friends. And you've moved away. You've come back, and you've got a, a, a lot of stuff to talk about. So, you know, I think that as I you know, I work with executives as well. We both do, and, and and leaders of all levels, and more and more, the highest achieving, highest performing leaders are recognizing that their health, their physical health, their mental health, all those things are sort of the edge uh, in their ability mm-hmm. to uh, succeed and compete and the ones that don't, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. I think a lot of it comes down to like performance mm-hmm. and executives realize that they have to be able to perform. Um, I think I think where the gaps are, a lot of times what I see anyway, is a lot of the executives I work with are very aware that their health and fitness directly affects their performance. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting working with executives in particular is a lot of them are high achievers. They love to track data. They actually are very much aware of um, things that they're doing that may affect their health negatively or positively. But what I see a lot of the times and what I help them with is a lot of times they're tracking the wrong data Mm. or they're making it too complicated. Because if you think about like all the information that we have nowadays, we have more gadgets than ever, more health trackers than Mm -hmm. ever, at-home tests that you can do, right? Mm -hmm. We've got people like Huberman that are really popular, but it's almost like the data is extrapolated so much and there's so many details and there's so much research and there are so many studies that Mm -hmm. um, I think what I see myself helping with most of the time is actually not making it more complicated and more complex for these executives. Mm-hmm. It's more like simplifying it and streamlining the process because they have to realize that like, if you're an executive, you are busy AF, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of the people I work, work with have families on top of work and travel and, you know, um, career duties. And so they have to realize that they only have time for so much in their day. Like they're mm-hmm. only going to be able to do a few things each day dedicated to health and fitness. And so, that's kind of where I come in is helping them get clear on what they need to be focused on and really focusing on the things that will move the needle, not the things that take a lot of their time and don't change anything. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And with all that information, I, I mean, even just business in general, we have so much data, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about whether it's marketing or whether it's logistics or what, you know, just trying to figure out what software to use for, you know, something like this podcast, right? You know, you'd be inundated with 20 options and, and right. features. And so, it really, that expertise really comes down to diving in. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about, uh, you know, Dr. Huberman and, and I'm a huge fan of that, his, him as well. Uh, Peter Atia, you know, mm-hmm. um, Rhonda Patrick, all those mm-hmm. people that I'm a fan of. Um, but 
you also mentioned that the some of these executives are tracking the wrong data, doing the wrong thing. So, you know, what's what's sort of like that you see it's sort of trendy or you see out there today that everyone's talking about that you actually, as the subject matter expert, think is wrong? Sure. So I think I would say like the top, I'll split it up like okay. with nutrition and workouts. Cool. Um, with nutrition, I would say intermittent fasting and keto are the two things that I see my clients doing a lot and it ends up not working for them. And I think what's important for people to understand nowadays is that there are a lot of different styles of <laughs> diets. And by diet, I just mean like how you eat, right? right? Um, and the truth is any of them could work for you and also any of them could not work for you. Um, but people need to realize like just, uh, you know, picking a diet doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful with it long-term. And again, like if we're talking about like, Let's take intermittent fasting, for example. If you have someone who has gone from doing nothing to intermittent fasting, sometimes that works for them for a little bit. But if it stops working, that means there's other things wrong in their diet. There are other things that are off. Um, and if we're talking about like weight loss specifically, mm -hmm. if you are eating too much food, it doesn't matter if you're skipping breakfast. Like that's just one example, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. you could still be overeating even if you're religiously skipping breakfast every single day. That's an example of what can happen um, with intermittent fasting. Same thing with keto. You know, maybe if, if people initially, people have to realize like what's creating the weight loss in the beginning when they see initial success, but then it stops working. Um, so yeah, if you're someone who's like, again, just eating your diet the way you normally do, and then you like go keto and suddenly all the, the carb items that were on your plate are gone, you've essentially lowered the amount of food that you're eating and that will work for a while. But again, people can still get to a place to where they're still eating too much food regardless of whether you're cutting out carbs or not. And that can create a, a plateau in weight loss. Um, so yeah, like when I'm, when I'm working with people, instead of just assuming they need to cut out things or time their food in a certain way, I actually start by doing a nutrition audit mm. where I'm like, okay, don't change anything about the way that you eat. Just track your food for three to five days. And it's kind of like a diagnostic test to where we don't go changing things before we really know what's going on, right? It would be almost like going to the doctor's office. Like when people, people need to realize when they like pick up a, a fad diet or a diet with a name, right. it's kind of like having a problem going to the doctor's office and before the doctor even like runs any tests or asks you what your symptoms are, it'd be like the doctor like prescribing something random <laughs> and being like, here, good luck with it. Yeah. And it, it, it might help, right? Like for a little, if, if it might happen to help for a little bit, but like that's just not a very, um, sophisticated way to go about figuring out what's really off in your diet. And also like long-term people need to realize there's really no point in changing the way you eat unless you can do that forever. Cause if you're going to go back to the way you were eating before, that means you'll eventually look the way you did before too. Yeah. Um, well, so. you, and you mentioned keto. And um, so I, and, and me and my wife, actually, we did keto in some length of form. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we kind of jumped on the train early or I don't know, I guess where we were at, at least in Tennessee it was early. Um, mm -hmm. But a few years ago, and we did it off and on for a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, me personally, my experience was with it was I did get super lean. Um, mm -hmm. I'm an athlete and uh, I felt my endurance like went through the roof. Like I literally mm -hmm. just couldn't, it's like my muscles couldn't get tired. They just like, what, like lactic mm -hmm. acid just wouldn't build up in them. It was crazy. Right. But what I also found was um, I started noticing I had like no, ex like, I didn't have explosiveness. Like when mm -hmm. I needed to really oof, push through something totally. like in jiu-jitsu or do really explode through a, mo a movement, I, it, like that extra gear wasn't there. And then to your point, what kind of 
pushed us off it was that sustainability because mm-hmm. it was just like I don't know how much like I don't know how much bacon and you know whatever <laughs> else like you know all these other like avocados I can eat like just your preferences yeah, yeah. just a while you're like man I've you know it's just hard to kind of live your your life that way so um, but I guess my thought when I reflect back on my time with keto so I'd love to hear your expert opinions mm-hmm. maybe if I had someone who was needed to lose like maybe a significant amount of weight like mm-hmm. 20 30 40 50 pounds something like that um i would i would maybe say well that might be a way to do that in like a, a healthy way in terms of still getting calories i've also heard stuff about uh people doing, doing keto versus like a caloric deficit that your your skin elasticity comes in a little better with keto so you don't have the extra rolls mm-hmm. um but in terms of someone doing it for 10 years, I don't know how the hell someone mm-hmm. would do that. So I don't know what, so when you see that, that keto thing or someone comes to you and say, I want to do keto, I've seen all these stuff. What does that conversation look like with you and, and that person? Totally. So again, it, it so much depends on if someone is overweight, something is off, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is a problem somewhere. Um, and the first step that I would do is still that nutrition audit to see. And immediately it will jump out at me like an answer key, like, okay, either, you know, like, now, where keto could be helpful is if someone is like really struggles to control carbs, I would probably put them on a lower carb diet. Um, but often I wouldn't even necessarily like cut out carbs altogether. I would almost do things like having them focus on eating more fiber and more protein. So more of like a positive focus on the things they should be eating instead of a negative focus on the things they shouldn't be eating. Um, and also like just from a psychological standpoint, all these diets that are focused on cutting things out, we gravitate towards what we think about. Like, right? Like that's meditation is you are, you're thinking about what you want to be doing more of. Mm -hmm. And so if you're following a diet, just from a mental standpoint of like, I can't have carbs, Mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult to avoid carbs. So I would almost rather have them positively focus on the things that I know will automatically regulate their hunger and Mm -hmm. control some of the cravings Mm -hmm. um, instead of telling them they can't have that. And then it's automatically also like, I mean, eventually I'd like to write a book on protein, but like. Mm -hmm. Some of this stuff is so simple and so powerful. Some of the shifts that people can make by eating more of the right things that, um, I mean, for example, like when you really set someone's protein targets correctly, protein has a direct effect on ghrelin. Ghrelin is our hunger hormone. So like when it comes to people will be like, oh, I like can't control my eating. Like I really struggle to control my portions. I have like crazy sweet cravings. And sometimes people will even be like, I'm an emotional eater. Like I just really struggle to control myself. And I'm like, we're going to set your protein targets and then we'll see how emotional you are with eating. Mm. Then we'll see how good you are with portion control. Because when you're when you're not eating enough protein, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage for controlling your portions. You are going to constantly be craving things. Um, and so I think sometimes when people do have success with keto, it's the people that are like really overeating carbs. And carbs are tricky because eating carbs perpetuates wanting to eat more carbs. Right. So I think sometimes people happen to you know balance things out by following certain diets that have fixed what the issue is. But long story short, there's absolutely a time and a place for a keto-like diet. There's even a time and a place for things like intermittent fasting. I'm just not going to start off with it until I see that that's where their problem lies. Keto in particular also like – it's important to separate, and this is why people need an intelligent health coach. <laughs> yeah. It's important to separate fat loss with health. So for example, I have clients like if I, if you have neurological problems, right, or if you've been exposed to mold, things like keto or diets that reduce inflammation, like an anti-inflammatory diet, 
that might not change your weight loss a whole lot, but it could absolutely improve your health. Like for neurological benefits and also like you notice with inflammation, Mm -hmm. and I've done tests with intermittent fasting. I've gone hardcore keto Mm -hmm. for over a month where I was like testing like in full-blown ketosis. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. I remember getting on the treadmill being like, I think I can run like five straight miles. Yeah, yeah. I this is run. the weirdest. It's, it's it totally so crazy. I was just like, I'm literally not getting tired. You know, I, I, yeah. I obviously do jujitsu. And so that was the thing. I was like, I would just go and go and go. People, I, I would, you know, an hour straight. And then yeah. other guys are just like laying on the mat. <laughs> and you're loose. like. And I'm like, I, I could do this all day, you know. <laughs> but then when I went to go try to lift someone. Right. I was like, uh, Totally different. And I missed the pump. Like I really love the bodybuilding side of fitness, Mm -hmm. like definitely the health and wellness side too, but like so passionate about bodybuilding. And Mm -hmm. so with keto, you definitely don't get as much of the pump unless you're like really good with electrolytes and sodium. And like, Mm -hmm. there's other things you can do with, with water and you know, your muscles, but anyway, long story short. Yeah. So, and like, for example, um, that's one place keto can be useful. And then like intermittent fasting, if someone is like, just not wild about breakfast And I test out having them skip breakfast and just start eating at lunch and they're doing fine with like moderating their lunch and dinner. That could be an easy way to reserve one third of your calories to spend for later. So that could be useful. Or even like sometimes within the day, like for example, if my clients have like a a client dinner coming up, like they're going to go to a big steakhouse dinner, it might be helpful to do, instead of looking at it like a black and white thing, like, oh, I can never eat breakfast. It might be like, where can this be a strategic tool for you to use? Okay, so you're going to have a bigger dinner. So maybe that day, skip breakfast, have a normal size lunch, and then you can spend all the calories that you reserved at breakfast at dinner, yeah. you know, and then you're still within your targets for the day. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, two big points there that you brought up. One, you know, you brought up the sort of negative psychology there. And mm-hmm. That's absolutely true in food, but it's, you know, that's true in life, right? Like anything, mm-hmm. if you're just like, well, you can't have that. You can't, you can't drink. You can't, I don't know, whatever. You can't stay up late. You can't, you can't watch that TV show. If you just do that. And, um, as someone who has been in, uh, sports with, with weight classes since I was 12, mm-hmm. right? I mean, wrestling, I mean, just cutting weight at 13, 14, Jeez. uh, and then yeah, through college, this um, is brutal. yeah, it was, you but, cannot have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, I mean, you know, then I went, to, when I was at West Point and I was on the wrestling team, um, so it was a D one wrestling team. So we're, you know, training twice a day, doing all that stuff. And then if that wasn't hard enough to be a D one wrestler, and then also at West Point, then we have to, we still for two meals a day have to line up and march into breakfast and sit there. No. So you're surrounded by 4,000 people eating God. for 15 minutes and you're like, and you I've in three days. <laughs> uh, and so, so it, it was so, it was so brutal, but you're right. I would crave things like, and I knew I wasn't hungry. It'd be like the second day. Like, all right, well, I, I'm four days out. So now I have to cut out, you know, bread, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't even like, I'm not a big bread guy, but for that day, because I knew <laughs> now I you have do. It, you have to have it. And so I think that, you know, when I think that's a, a light psychological principle for performance in all facets of life is that positive focus. So I really like that. And then what I'd like you to expand on, cause I see this with my clients a lot is, the client dinner, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to get them on their schedule and routine and trying to eat healthy. And really think when I, when I work with them on that stuff, that's something that always comes up. They're like, man, I've got, I've got, a, I've got four dinners, you know, like, I mean, a, yeah. a CEO of a, of a company has multiple working dinners mm-hmm. every week. Like mm-hmm. that's, I've, I've never seen one that did it. So mm-hmm. it, that's sort of an, an interesting thing to navigate. So when you, when you approach that with your clients, what, what is sort of your take on that in terms of the, the greater strategy? I mean, they've got a couple options, right? First of all, like if there's one thing that I can get across to everyone is you will not be successful with getting into good shape and good health unless you understand some of the basic targets that your body needs with food. So for my clients, they're all going to at least understand their generally general calorie intake for the day. Mm-hmm. It's just how much 
you need to eat on a right. daily basis um, to either gain, lose, or maintain weight, right? There's a time and a place for all those. Um, and protein. And protein is helpful because, first of all, a third of it is burned off in digestion. Very hard to gain weight when eating a high-protein diet. Again, like I mentioned earlier, lowers ghrelin levels. So really hard to overeat when you're hitting optimal protein goals. Um, also helps retain lean muscle, right? So like hopefully everybody's lifting weights and you, you don't want to lose muscle mass. Like yeah. you want more muscle mass on your body, yeah. right? And that more muscles, more higher metabolic rate, right? Automatically, so more, more calorie calories burn at rest. Around. Yes. And also just strength. And like I do work with a lot of executives in their 60s and, and older, right? And so for staying strong in, you know, mobility and just getting older for health, it's important to have muscle. You want muscle on your body. Um, and also blood sugar, blood sugar regulation. So like lower chance of getting type 2 diabetes and also just better energy, better mood, better quality of life throughout the day if your blood sugar is stable. And protein has a very positive effect on that. Um, yeah, they did studies where they had people eat higher, like protein with their meals and especially when they ate protein first and post-meal glucose levels were lower by 50%. Oh, wow. That's drastic. That's crazy. And that has nothing to do with like cutting anything out. It's yeah. just eating more protein and eating protein first in your meal. So like, anyway, long story short with my yeah. clients, they're at least going to know their calorie range right. and they're going to know their protein targets. Okay. So once we establish that, that gives them some guidelines and they know what they need to be hitting within the day. So when it comes to these, these dinners, they have a couple options. They can either, again, like we talked about, I call it calorie budgeting. Mm -hmm. So if they want to splurge a little bit at dinner, right. And have a dessert, have some of the bread that comes out and have, you know, some kind of meal that has a, maybe a carb heavy or like a fattier side. Mm -hmm. Um, I would tell them to eat really light at breakfast, you know, have some kind of protein, have a protein source at breakfast. Um, and that could be anything from egg whites to there's really good yogurt out these days. It's high protein, low sugar. Um, and you could have other things with your breakfast, but long story short, I would keep it low calorie in general. Mm. Go light at lunch. You know, you could have any kind of grilled meat with a salad. Also, veggies are a great way to fill up but not eat too many calories. And then at dinner, they can spend the calories that they've reserved throughout the day at that dinner without going over their limits. Mm. Um, the other option would just be to order wisely. So they could have like a normal size breakfast, normal size lunch. And then at dinner, just knowing what the high protein options are, pretty much any kind of grilled meat or seafood is going to be great. And then you could always have like a salad, you know, or, or any kind of vegetable paired with that. And it's typically not going to like push you too far over your calories. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So we, we just <laughs> nailed down a bunch of stuff on nutrition and some of those, those key topics. Um, but I'm not done talking uh, to you, Molly. So uh, we we will uh, take a quick break here uh, for for those who are listening to this episode, and we'll hop in because we still have we haven't even talked about working out yet. Oh my god, no. so we, we got somebody, and I want to hear your story and everything and everything you do. So so I appreciate that, and this was awesome uh, to chat initially. I look forward to uh, continuing it. Awesome, can't wait. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and share the Leadership After Hours podcast with your network. The world is crying out for leaders of character, and people deserve to be led well. We all need to build businesses that develop people and profit. If you know a great leader that needs to be on the podcast, please reach out to us, and our podcast producer, Aaron, will get back to them. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N, at slsp.biz. For a better tomorrow, build a new leader today.